The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional, medical, or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. There's no Here. I see a red button. Yes, we're recording now. Oh, we're recording now. This is... <laughs> Welcome to the future. <laughs> Welcome to the future of biopsychosocial. Hello, fellow quarantinis. Quarantinis, I love it. Wasn't that good? What is a quarantini? Well, I mean, like other than a person. It's a box, it's boxed wine. That's okay. all, that's all it is. <laughs> Which is happens to be what I'm drinking because in true biopsychosocial fashion, we have to have libations. I don't have one right now. I mean, I, I do have libations in my home, but I'm just not drinking them at the moment. Oh, I think it just makes my podcast performance so much better, though. <laughs> I do have watermelon seltzer water, and um, it's watermelon LaCroix, Ooh. and it legit tastes like a plant in my drink. Oh, that's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> I feel when it comes to like beverages, I like artificially flavored stuff, which sounds so bizarre, but yeah, like carrot juice, like I feel like I should chew it and there's, I, I, yeah. I can't do it. No, I can see that. I can't do it. Yeah. I feel like I should be chewing it and I am not. So it's just an odd experience for me. So how are you ho- holding up during this? <laughs> I, well, as you know, I was sick. Yes. Not with the Corona. Allegedly, not with the corona. Yeah. I did a virtual appointment with the doctor and he said, well, I haven't heard you cough once and you're not in respiratory distress, so you're probably fine. And I was like, sir, I have a cough suppressant in my system. <laughs> but okay. Whatever it is, you did well, you did well and recovered and you feel better. I do feel better. Okay. I lost my voice for like it was probably like five days or so. It was, I had, yeah. I had laryngitis, and so I really couldn't talk. <laughs> I know we we uh, we video we uh, FaceTimed, and yes, you were struggling. I was whisper screaming. You were whisper screaming. <laughs> it's so nice to see you, though. Yes, yes. I dropped off Jordan's microphone today to mm-hmm. her house, and we waved to each other, her from her house and me from my car. It was really sad, but really sweet. <laughs> I've done that with my mom a bunch of times. I've had to like drop stuff off to her and she's um, had stuff for me and we've just had to scream. Yep. um, To the scream like back and forth through her window. And we went and saw uh, Brian and I went and saw our friend Jashley. Who was mm-hmm. a couple? It's a couple, but we call them Jashley. <laughs> and we um, yelled back and forth in their driveway for like an hour. <laughs> We're all really in the same shit boat together. Right. It's like, you know, I, I'm i as a healthcare worker, I am an essential worker. So it's sort of, you know, you feel you feel lucky to go to work, but, you know, a little terrified mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and righteously sick of wearing a mask. But knowing that little piece of fabric is the only protection you have from illness or illness for somebody that you love so it's just right exactly a weird time it's just a very weird time to be alive and everybody for the most part has been wonderful i have to say we have uh, been eating very well at the office Uh 
oh boy, we we have gotten so much uh, kind words and food and well wishes and donations. It's just been very, very, very lovely. Yes, people have been great. My my cousin works at the hospital in my town, mm-hmm. and she says like every day they ha- there's more food that they can than they can even eat that gets donated. So, and um, uh, up by us, a lot of the re- uh, one of the restaurants in particular that um, does a lot of takeout orders and delivery has been matching. Mm-hmm. If they know it's going to a healthcare office, so instead oh, of that's nice. so we get so whatever somebody donates, we get double the amount. So we've been uh, we've really been very very lucky, and that lifts your spirits too, just to know that you know somebody's thinking of you, yeah, remembers you're out there and is appreciative, and everybody's been wonderful. We're working um working modified schedules to sort mm-hmm. of keep the staff and the patients as safe as possible, and everybody's just been wonderful throughout it all, and. Yeah, so good stuff, but you know, still hard times. And we're totally, um, totally remote now. Mm. Good. Yes, we had uh, unfortunately. Um, so where I work, there's a senior center mm-hmm. as part of our building, and unfortunately, a couple of the seniors um, were positive for COVID nineteen oh and gosh. passed away. Oh. Um, so it's really not safe no. for anyone to be in the building right now. But I imagine. As we get, so we're in Connecticut and our state says our shelter in place is going to go until at least May 20th now. Absolutely. And I would imagine that they're going to start very, very slowly changing things in a modified way. Like it's not going to be like, okay, it's May 21st. Everyone go back to school and go back to work. It's going to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to go back to work. And then Mm -hmm. when my clients come in, we're both going to sit on opposite corners of the office and wear masks. Something like that. That's probably, yes. And that's kind of what we're doing right now at our office. You know, we have um, areas when we're seeing patients, we, you know, there's sometimes we can't distance, but when we can Mm -hmm. and um, when we are able to, that's what we do. And yes, we wear masks Mm -hmm. all day. I just I just went to the grocery store after I dropped your mic off, and I always feel weird going in. I wore a mask and gloves this mm-hmm. time um, because I'm lucky enough to still have gloves from when I dyed my hair. Um, <laughs> I was like, when I picked them up a, a couple of months ago, I was like, well, I mean, I only need one pair, but I'll take fifty. Sure, <laughs> that was smart. <laughs> um, but no, I went to the the grocery store, and when I first walked in. It, most people were not wearing masks. And I was like, guys, what's going on? <laughs> I went yesterday and you looked strange if you didn't have a mask on. Yeah. And I mean, the, you can make them out of an old t-shirt yourself. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you don't need a sewing machine. You don't even need to sew anything. You just need to cut, just cover it. your face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky. Um, some of the women in my faith community, um, the quilters, you know, the quilting circle, they uh, got to work and made masks and they sent me 34 masks oh, wow. that I was able to give out to a lot of people. And I kept one for myself because I do go out to the store. So I was very, very fortunate that those ladies um, made them and then and then thought of me because they know that I am still out there and know a lot of people that are still out there. So that's fantastic. Thank you, church ladies. I get to send them a thank you card. I, um, yeah, I'm hoping that we can do something similar for our clients when we have to go back. Um, but I mean, 
I don't know. Like everyone is, everyone that can sew right mm-hmm. now is making a mask and that's fantastic. That so. is, that is awesome. And even like I said, my quilters, like they, you mm-hmm. know, they meet to quilt and now they're not meeting, but they, mm-hmm. and they're actually, it's like a lot of, and it's kind of a nice recycling project because it's kind of the pieces that are small and you're able to kind of make a mask out of those and it yeah, exactly. fits in pieces and odds and ends. If you go on Etsy, pretty much every creator on Etsy has like suspended the other things that they're doing in um so that they can make masks instead and i just bought one actually i think a week ago or so Mm -hmm. um from a a creator who has been on there for a long time because i think people are also taking advantage Mm -hmm. so i tried to find somebody who had an established shop to purchase from um but yeah no there's tons and tons and tons on etsy that's awesome in our local um one of our local distilleries, who I am a huge yes. fan of their products in general. Um, I'll say it on here, Litchfield Distillery. Um, they're making hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're a great they're a great 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 company. So that's fabulous that they're doing that. Um, fortunate, and you know my where I work is uh, fortunate enough to have supplies still, but a lot of places don't so they're making that so i'll remember the litchfield and their other products their their bourbon is fabulous i have a bottle of vanilla bourbon <laughs> upstairs too i I, know, I i need to go there after all of this is over i've never been it's um it's gorgeous in there i went there um around christmas um, i try to shop locally for the holidays and i bought my father a bottle of bourbon and the place was immaculate and they yeah. uh, they offered me samples they said you can try anything that you want and i was like oh my <laughs> goodness how long can i stay this is <laughs> it's like willy wonka's chocolate factory <laughs> you have to call an uber to get home mm-hmm. <laughs> There are so many Christmas presents in the car and I can't drive. Well, <laughs> drink responsibly, kids. <laughs> so shall we dive in? Yeah, we should. I haven't told you too much about what I'm talking about today, have I? No, you no, you haven't. I think it's something you've kind of, it's an idea you've had brewing for a topic for a while. So I have yes. a slight idea, but I don't know. I honestly don't know a lot about this topic. So enlighten me. Oh, I shall. And I, I wrote this, I wrote this in a a little bit of a different style than normal. Mm -hmm. So you and I are both bullet pointers. Yes, we are. Um, But I wrote this in more of like a story format. (gasps) Story time. So story time. Are you ready for the story of Candace Newmaker and rebirthing therapy? Tell me. (laughs) Candace Newmaker was born Candace Tiara Elmore in 1990. She was born a healthy nine-pound baby girl in Lincoln County, North Carolina. Her father, Todd Evan Elmore, was violently abusive. Candace's mother, Angela Marie Elmore, was a foster child herself, and so was her own mother, who gave birth to a baby boy two years before Candace when she was just 16. Angie gave the baby boy up for adoption, a chance at a better life that she could not provide. Todd was six years older than Angie, who claimed... She married him at 17 simply to escape her home. But Candace was a planned pregnancy and very much wanted. Angie sought to prove that she could provide a better home life for her daughter than she had. Candace had two younger siblings, Chelsea and Michael. The family was financially unstable, though, moving from home to home, sometimes neglecting the basic needs of their children. It appears this is mostly at the fault of Todd, who was a known petty criminal and often interfered with Angie's attempts to work. Feel free to interrupt me anytime you want. 
<laughs> so so far I have um so far I have the story that you see a lot people that were born into foster care in multi mm-hmm. you know, um generation after generation and yeah, almost, yeah it's almost like generational trauma yep um Angie was born it seems into poverty correct despite desperately wanting a different life continued down that path because it's very hard to escape it absolutely is you know it's it seemed like oh all you have to do is work hard and that's and that mm. is frankly not the case mm-hmm. um not to mention that if her own i i didn't remember reading too too much about um angie's parents or mm-hmm. candace's grandparents but um i do know that her um angie's biological father was not in the picture for her whole life so i don't know if he was also an abuser in which case, like, that's very much a cycle that you see from family to family. Yes, abuse to abuse. You know, mm-hmm. that's your, you know, that's your framework of what a relationship looks like. It's hard to escape that. But it didn't you say that her mother tried to escape? Um, she allegedly married Candace's father to escape in a, an, un- an unhealthy family relationship. It, Angie was the one who, who married her husband to right. escape the, yeah. So, and he was, so she was 17 and he was six years older than her. You do the math. I don't know. Uh, 23. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, 16 or 17? She was 17. 17. Okay. So yes, 23. Yeah. I don't know if I want a 23 year old around my 17 year olds. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So anyways, in 1992, Angie packed up her children and left, bringing them along to a women's shelter. Candace was described as being parentified, mothering her two younger siblings and doing her her best to protect them from her parents' instability. She often wedged her tiny body in between her mother and father in desperate attempts to fend off her father's attacks. Candace was removed from the care of her parents when she was five years old and placed in the care of 42-year-old single nurse Jean Newmaker. Jean's life was far removed from Candace and Angie's. Her well-known grandparents were wealthy and philanthropic, residing in a mansion on Main Street in her hometown of Warren, Pennsylvania. A new home, a new name, a new beginning for Candace, one that lacked the chaos, fear, and uncertainty of her family of origin. Her teachers at her new elementary school described her as bright and easy to love. She displayed a fearfulness of boys and men, understandably so, given what she had been through, but nonetheless, she made progress. Her first grade teacher, Ray Alvin, attributed this to Jean and found Candace to be a delight, denying any behavioral issues in the classroom. When Jean did start to see behavioral problems at home, she took swift action in bringing the little girl to treatment. A doctor described her as alternating between a sweet child with affect apropos of her age and an angsty teenager. She was prescribed pills of all kinds and tested for depression and post-traumatic stress order. We didn't think behavioral therapy or some emotional, some cognitive therapy wouldn't be helpful before we did the pills. (laughs) I think they kind of uh, tried to attack it from every angle. I mean, personally, a lot of the time when parents come in with their children, it it seems very black and white. Like you'll either have parents that are like, get me an appointment with the doctor or you'll have parents that'll be like, that is the very last thing that we'll do. Okay. And I always try to go by what the parent or what the client wants. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, our our child psychiatrist is amazing. So if he doesn't think there's need for medication, he's going to say so. Absolutely. So I don't, you know, I don't know. They tried, definitely tried different like modalities of therapy and it didn't seem like anything was really working. Gotcha. 
But this this poor little kiddo, she's got generational trauma. Mm-hmm. She's got the trauma of her upbringing, witnessing violence, you know, experiencing poverty, um, neglect, and the trauma of being taken away from her family by social services. That's very traumatic. Absolutely. And even though it sounds like um, this parental figure in her life is a positive one, it's you're still leaving the only life that you ever knew. Exactly. All right. So... Reactive attachment disorder was the name of the diagnosis given to Jean for Candace. This falls under the category of trauma, the same as PTSD, mm-hmm. and is obviously related to difficulty forming attachment. You may be familiar with John Bowlby's experiments with babies and their primary caregivers, which studied how babies react when they are left alone. Later, Mary Ainsworth expanded on these studies, developing her strange, strange situation experiment, where a stranger entered the room and then the caregiver, we'll just assume mom. Mm-hmm although that's not always true, was asked to leave. So the baby spent a few minutes alone in the room with the stranger and then mom returned. And then there was some more shuffling of people, but you get the idea. Yeah. And so depending on how the baby reacted both to the stranger and to the parent returning um, could tell you a lot about their attachment to the primary caregiver. So attachment theory relates to the earliest bond that we form with our primary caregiver, which often solidifies and defines the type of bonds that we will have with significant others, friends, family, romantic partners for the remainder of our lives. These bonds develop as the primary caregiver responds to the need of the infant. The infant then generalizes this attachment to the world, such as if I cry, I will always get what I need. I will usually get what I need. I will never get what I need. So there are four types of attachment styles. Do you know any of them? I might after you say them to me, but not off the top of my head. Probably good, not so good. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like good, somewhere in the middle, not good. Yes. And four. <laughs> and four. And number four. <laughs> so uh, the first type is secure attachment, where the mother would be direct, sensitive, consistent, and supported. The child feels safe and confident enough to explore their surroundings. They have faith in their abilities. They learn how to be resilient and independent. Mm -hmm. And so those are like, if you're with, say, a mother and child who have a secure attachment, the baby or the toddler will feel comfortable kind of wandering away a little bit from mom because they know that they're going to be safe if they wander away a little bit and they can come back and mom will still be attentive to their needs. Yeah, they know mom. If mom goes to the store, mom will come back. The second type is avoidant attachment where the mother is distant and active, dismissive, critical, and irritable or eager to punish. The child often feels rejected. They suffer from emotional isolation, and they feel stressed and scared. We've seen that. (laughs) For sure. Yes. And that one sociology class is coming back to me a little bit. Yes, I'm sure it is. (laughs) Um, So that's like a, a bond that's characterized, I think, by a lot of like, like I said, being critical and punishing mm-hmm. instead of like allowing your child to make mistakes and telling them, hey, it's okay. You know, you tried your best. The next one is ambivalent attachment, where the mother is inconsistent, often indifferent, and often sensitive. The child feels stressed and insecure. They're angry. They experience emotional abandonment. They can't control their impulsivity, and they are unsociable and aggressive. And that's usually a caregiver who can't provide for the child's needs. Let's them run wild. Yeah, very possible that that's where Candace was because it sounds like because her mother, her biological mother was being abused and they were, you know, so, so unstable 
mm-hmm. that despite wanting to provide for her children, she couldn't for some reason. And then the last one, which is kind of like the quote unquote worst, I guess, yeah, is disorganized attachment. The mother exaggerates, is unpredictable, inspires fear. She may be a drug addict. She may suffer from a mental disorder. The child feels very scared and sad. They approach strangers trying to find safety. They have low self-esteem. They feel angry. They are passive. So that's really like, I imagine either someone with a very intense addiction or someone with a very, very intense untreated mental illness if they had a child. Just like no interest creating a bond, no interest attending to the child's needs, that kind of a thing. Yeah, completely not wanting to parent in any way that you could possibly imagine. Right. And that's different from ambivalent attachment because with the other attachment styles, in each one, the caregiver wants to provide. But they just can't. Or or there's something keeping them from doing it. Something inhibiting them. But obviously, secure attachment is the best one. And that's also, like, you see that as adults, like, in romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. People who aren't, like, worried that, you know, like you said before with mom's going to the grocery store, but I know she'll be back. It's like, oh, my boyfriend went to the grocery store. I know he's now going to some random girl's house, you know? Right. It's like, (laughs) it's a secure, it's a secure, appropriate, healthy relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, But that does carry on into adulthood with the relationships we have with the other people. Reactive attachment disorder, the diagnostic criteria from the DSM-5 is as follows. A consistent pattern of inhibited, emotionally withdrawn behavior towards adult caregivers manifested by both of the following. The child rarely or minimally seeks comfort when distressed. The child rarely or minimally responds to comfort when distressed. A persistent social or emotional disturbance characterized by, by at least two of the following. Minimal social and emotional responsiveness to others. Limited positive affect. Episodes of unexplained irritability, sadness, or fearfulness that are evident even during non-threatening interactions with adult caregivers. The child has experienced a pattern of extremes of insufficient care as evidenced by at least one of the following. Social neglect or deprivation in the form of persistent lack of having basic emotional needs for comfort, stimulation, and affection met by caring adults. Because remember, babies don't, well, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but babies don't just need to be fed. They need Correct. to be played with and sung to and rocked and mm-hmm. snuggled. and Yes, exactly. Repeated changes of primary caregivers that limit opportunities to form stable attachments, such as frequent changes in foster care. Rearing and unusual situations that severely limit opportunities to form selective attachments, such as institutions with high child-to-caregiver ratios. The disturbance is evident before age five, and the child has a developmental age of at least nine months. So that is, you see it often with children who are going from foster family to foster family to foster family. There's just a pattern of this instability where Mm -hmm. the child, like I said, can't develop a secure attachment with anybody because everybody's just always coming and going. For what it's worth, I don't work really directly with children who are in and out of foster care. Um, I should say from foster care home to foster care home, but I've never seen reactive attachment. Um, it's not not common. Not, yeah, it's not incredibly common. Um, there are definitely other explanations usually. One one really good way to think of reactive attachment disorder is like, have you ever been in a store mm-hmm. or out in public somewhere and a kid just like comes up to you and starts talking to you? Yes. Um, it could be the child is just friendly. Right. But- 
in reactive attachment disorder, there's like no fear of strangers. No stranger danger. No stranger danger at all. (laughs) I still have stranger danger and I am pushing 30. Yeah, me too. Well, that's because we're both true crime fans, though. We just assume everyone's going to murder us. I don't want to talk to like people I know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Besides, like you, like I, yeah, I'll I'll dodge it. I'll dodge it in a grocery store aisle. Let me tell you. Um, I'm gonna get up to get. Oops, I'm gonna get up to get some more water because my throat's mm-hmm. really dry. Heard you talking to Clovey. <laughs> Not time for her to eat. No, she starts. Um, she starts getting upset with me around four o'clock, and she eats mm. dinner at six o'clock. I don't know if your cats do that too. Oh, um, yes. Hawkeye Pierce, who was like, ugh, I fell asleep on the couch, as I tend to do, my poor husband. Um, and he um, had to get up and realized I, he woke up and realized I wasn't there. So he came downstairs and went, hey, coming to bed. And I, what? Yeah, so, <laughs> so I got out of the, off the couch at like 4 a.m. and said, oh, no, I had to brush my teeth. So I brushed my teeth. And then Hawkeye woke up and went, oh, hello. Is it time for breakfast? And then, <laughs> um, and then. I went upstairs and went to bed and Trapper was laying with me. And then Hawkeye realized he was the only one left in the kitchen and he gave up. <laughs> and then um, Trapper was sleeping, was like kind of laying down next to me, which is Hawkeye's spot. Hawkeye usually sleeps with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was dozing off. And then I heard Hawkeye come upstairs and I said, oh, boy, this probably isn't going to go well. I fell asleep. Then I think a I can only assume that a scuffle ensued. Oh Jesus! And I woke up, and Hawkeye was in his spot next to me, and Trapper was sleeping in the laundry basket that <laughs> <laughs> he tipped over. So it was like a little cornucopia of Trapper. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it was at least clean clothes. It was my work clothes. I've been washing them in hot separately, obviously because yes. because of, of what's going on. Um. So it was at least it was clean clothes and uh, it was clothes that I fell asleep while they were in the dryer and my husband very kindly brought them upstairs for me. But uh, yeah, so Trapper was sleeping in those. Jeez, no, Clover just, I I have an automatic feeder that I'll set up in the morning, especially on the weekends. Nice. um, To feed her at about seven o'clock. And she's fine until, I don't know, until she hears me like rustling in my bedroom and then she starts yelling because she wants company. I, I think they hear, I, I say the boys hear my eyes open. Mm-hmm. They, they do. They're like, you know, I'll like, you know, I'll open my eyes and there'll be, you know, two cats staring at me. Hi, you, hi, you getting up? I can't. <laughs> and I free, I free feed, we free feed them wet food, um, dry food, but it's the wet food that Hawkeye. Oh, um, yes. It's, cr- it's like crack. Yes. And Trapper wakes me up for it too. And he doesn't eat it. <laughs> Like, I, like, it's the funniest thing. Like, they're both waking me up. And I'm like, all right, I can see Hawkeye waking me up. But Trapper, you don't eat wet food. And I've, like, tried to, we've tried to give it to him a couple times. And he doesn't want it. But he, like, still wants me to get up and feed Hawkeye the wet. Maybe Hawkeye complains and Trapper just doesn't want to eat. I don't can know. you shut this guy up? That's what he's saying to you. Shut this guy up. And, well, usually Trapper's the one that wakes me up because he also likes the lampshade that's next to my bed. Oh, thanks. you. <laughs> yeah, choose it. <laughs> Great. Delicious if you ask him. Um Oh like oh life with cats. Life with cats. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to learn about rebirthing therapy? Sure. <laughs> so regression and reparenting therapy began with Marguerite Sechahe, I believe is how you say her last name. Sechahe. Sechahe. Sechahe girl. Um, Sechahe girl. She, 
She was from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And John Rosen, who claimed that their process could heal schizophrenia. And if you know oh. anything about schizophrenia, you know that we don't know exactly what causes it. Correct. And therefore, we do not have a definitive cure for it. We can just treat the symptoms. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, these two boneheads, Suchahay believe or Suchahay had her parents live with her, call her mama, and take part in symbolic ac- actions like using a raw apple as a breast from which to nurse. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> I don't. I I don't even want that idea in my brain in what I do in therapy. Your browser history is weird now. I know. Well, actually, that came from the book I was reading. Thank God. Oh, God. Oh, man. Ah. That crosses so many boundaries. I can't even begin. And that's it for me and apples, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Ah. So apple boob. Anyways. Apple tits. <laughs> uh, Rosen, Rosen was a real piece of work who claimed that through his work, quote, the patient gets the feeling of having met a master who could do anything he wanted to him by virtue of his physical strength, but will not do it because he loves him. His process involved yelling, insulting, and berating patients, leaving them bewildered and confused. No produce, but still awful. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... Rebirthing was really a type of, I want to say therapy very loosely here. Um, In what I read about it, it seems like a a type of meditation almost, a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. So it was developed by Leonard Orr in the 1970s, and it involved getting in touch with the very first theoretical trauma that we all go through, birth. It is a type of breath work where one breathes continuously without pause. Which I think don't we all do that? No, because you have to you breathe in. Oh, breathe. Oh, I breathe. Okay, stop. It's like that. Is it called cyclical breathing that you have to do when you play like the didgeridoo? Yeah, my brother plays the didgeridoo. Let's ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he can do rebirthing, breath work. So in in doing so, in in breathing without pause, according Mm -hmm. to Orr, one can unravel the birth death cycle and begin to heal one of the eight biggies of trauma quote uh from his website healing oh oh the uh ugh, clover just flung spit at me ew so the eight biggies of trauma birth trauma parental disapproval syndrome specific mm-hmm. negatives the unconscious death urge karma from past lives the religion trauma the school trauma and senility etc essentially according isn't that all just the bitch of living? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> according to the book that I read, damage is done, according to Orr, anyways, damage is done to the breathing mechanism at birth because the child is cut off from its supply of oxygen through the premature cutting of the umbilical cord. This initial panic, breathe or die, remains in the person's subconscious as a nameless fear. The goal is to get the person to release this long-held tension and learn to take advantage of the fully functioning breathing mechanism. Ooh, ooh, isn't breathe or die like a good fear to have? Maybe. I would think so because your yes. your reflexes would kick in. Yes, breathe or die. Very, very good idea. It's what stops us from keeping plastic bags on our heads. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, during the age of COVID, don't do that. No, don't put a plastic bag on your head. Don't walk around with like a fishbowl on your head. Just get a fucking mask or make one out of a t-shirt. Right. And if you don't have gloves, it's uh, if you didn't just dye your hair, it's I wash your hands before <laughs> and after. Also, wash your hands before you put your mask on and on, take your mask on and off. Oh, yes. Very good tip. 
yes. not something people are thinking about, but good. Tip. Yes, because then you're just putting your face, your hand schmag all over your face. <laughs> it's true. Let's Bro. think about that for a minute. It's... No, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to the bitch of limping, apple tits, and screamy. Yes. Uh, so on on Leonard Orr's website, he states, um, later I got the idea of using a snorkel and, lo- and nose clips in a hot tub. When I put people into the water. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? Are you okay? <laughs> no, I'm just getting the visual. <laughs> and you know my thoughts on hot tubs. They're a breeding ground for bacteria. Body effing soup. Yes. Body soup. Ugh. Anyway, so body soup with the snorkel. When I put people into the water, they were in a womb-like environment, and they constantly regressed into birth and prenatal states of consciousness. They did not just have memories. They regressed to a a psychophysical state. It wasn't just reliving the past. It was also a very high exploration into the spiritual dimensions of life. It was a complete spiritual, mental, and physical experience. People had a completed energy cycle, which was an integrated healing experience. I stayed with each person until they felt peace. It usually took two hours. Very fast, actually, if you think about it. People experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. They breathe themselves out of pain and tension into relaxation and peace. Most rebirthing breathwork sessions are physical, emotional, and spiritual. People experience breathing out pain, tension, trauma, and and drama into relaxation and peace. Relaxed, gentle, connected breathing is the key. So I I kind of want to... Before I get into the nitty gritty of what happened to Candace in her rebirthing sessions, I want to really clarify, based on the information I got from Leonard Ord's website, what his technique of, of rebirthing looked like. So it involves creating this womb-like state. So for him, was a hot tub, but it could just be like getting wrapped up in blankets and turning off all of the lights, like anything that feels warm and quiet and dark like the womb. And then it involves breathing, just breathing. So like you do when you're meditating, just focusing on breath and very like deep breathing. And um, I don't know if maybe it involves like as that trauma comes, like allowing yourself to process it and then let it go. So it is kind of a therapeutic process if you think about it that way. It does seem a lot more like a meditative, like a yeah. meditation practice than anything else. The the hot tub and the snorkel thing, I really can't get past. You know, we can we can uh, do without that. I think. <laughs> I will also say though, I don't I don't think this is an ev- evidence based practice, and in fact, I think no. it was as like a fringe therapy. So, eh. So are they going to this? I, I I can't get past this. Are they going to this guy's house and he's like, "Hey, you brought your that swimsuit and the snorkel I told you to bring. <laughs> get in the hot tub." He's got like his own center for it, I think, or he did. I don't know if he's still alive. Oh, but. I'm just picturing it like at his house, and his wife's like, "Do you have someone in the hot tub again? <laughs> are they staying for dinner?" <laughs> It's like, oh, shit, I forgot my bathing suit. Do you have one I could borrow? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a thrifter by nature, and I actually don't, I don't own a bathing suit because because I don't like wet things. But that's like the one thing I wouldn't buy used. That's the one thing I wouldn't buy used. No way. Gross. No, 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 no. Oh, so like, and so this guy's like, oh, they're just going to be in the back for two hours. And then he just sits there and reads like Archie comics until they're done. <laughs> I think he he goes through it with them. I don't think he leaves them alone. 
think he snorkels too? Uh, yeah, apparently. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want him in my womb. <laughs> in my womb. Wait, I was there alone. I want to recreate this. I actually, I tell my brother and I joke that um, that like I left like books and stuff in the womb. <laughs> That I like, you know, I left him like, you know, stuff to do and like a TV and <laughs> Jesus. I don't think Alexis left anything for me. Thanks a lot. Rude. Rude. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I want to be very clear that I'm not vilifying him, Mr. Orr. No. So no nowhere no. on his website did I find any information regarding the weird route that reparenting and rebirthing therapy took after he began helping and teaching people in this meditative process. But again, it is not evidence-based. Like, it's not... We can't bill for it. <laughs> it wouldn't be ethical to practice it. So what you're saying is you don't have a hot tub and snorkels in your office. Yep, we're not We're not doing that. Nope. And nope. And, and no apple breasts either. Apple tits. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to read for you... In the book that I read, which is called, as I told you, I think, when I got it, Crazy Therapies. What are they? Do they work? No. The answer is no. Um, no. So they had listed like a poll that they had done of clients or of um, practitioners of regression therapy and like mm-hmm. what they had done in their practice. So this is what the table says. 98% held their regressed clients. 98% played with their regressed clients. fed their young child, quote unquote, young child client. 22% spanked their regressed clients. 82% punished clients by having them stand in a corner. 46% bathed them. 48% admitted to doing toileting work with them. 7%, are you ready for this? 7% breastfed their clients. Oh, no. I don't know how that works. (laughs) I don't know how that works. I don't think anything, unless they were lactating for, unless they were lactating naturally and just took advantage of it. Maybe that's why it's only 7%. I don't know. I want to be very clear that I fully support breastfeeding. It's natural. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Breastfeeding in public. I don't support allowing an adult that is not related to you, like, latch onto your breast unless it is a consensual thing that you're doing in the bedroom. Like, come on. Or dire circumstance. I think that happened in a John Steinbeck novel. All right, fair. Um, So 26% said sessions may be used inappropriately by the patient. In other words, some patients may become addicted to the process as an escape from adult problems, a place to hide rather than to grow. 16% said patients lowering their adult defenses and experiencing their younger child can lead to difficulty in their grown-up lives. 15% reported that patients developed unrealistic expectations about what their therapist can provide, including the the illusion that the therapist will be the parent that they never had. Yeah, no shit. No. Among other transference problems. 34% were concerned about liability. Yeah. 16%. Only 34% though were concerned about liability. 16% were concerned about the use of physical restraint or confrontation. Few respondents mentioned the need for adequate training. Only 3%. And only 1% mentioned the need for consultation or supervision. Oh, boy. I'll have you know I get at least, at least one hour of supervision a week. And I don't do any fringe therapy. So. No. <laughs> supervision is not a bad thing. Supervision is a fantastic thing in any profession. Absolutely. Uh, I'm all for letting out your inner child, but there's better ways to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. 
<clears throat> so one of the doctors that Jean brought Candace to referred mm-hmm. her to Canal Watkins, an unlicensed psychotherapist, uh. and Julie Ponder, a licensed therapist, but from California. They flew out to Evergreen, Colorado, to the attachment center for specialized work. So I believe in Florida and in Colorado, you do not need a license to practice what they call psychotherapy. That's a problem. It's a huge problem. Because licensing, as you know, is not only gatekeeping because it says, okay, that this person has had the proper experience and education for this work. Correct. But it also protects the consumer by being able to say, like, like keep don't track of to, Yeah. Don't go to someone that is not licensed. Exactly. Uh, you should be able to look up your therapist and find them under the license, whether it's the Department of Public Health in your state or whatever. You should be able to look them up. Correct. Um, after some weeks of therapy, Candace and Jean are instructed to do a rebirthing process. Really? Candace is wrapped in a mock womb made of pillows and blankets and instructed to find her way out and crawl to her new mama. They restrain her under the weight of their own bodies, a combined 673 pounds compared to Candace's 70. She, she, oh boy. In a tape later shown to a jury, Candace repeatedly tells the adults, I can't breathe. I believe she says it 11 times. Ugh. Like Rosen with his schizophrenic patients, the therapists raise their voices to bribe and insult her. You're a twerp. Don't you want to be with your new mama who loves you? Do you want to be stuck in your own puke and poop? When you get out, you will have plenty of air to breathe. A bastardization of Leonard Orr's work. Okay, I'm dying. I'm sorry, Candace says. Watkins and Ponder yell back at Candace. You want to die? Okay, then die. Go ahead. Die right now. Aww. Initially, the adults ignore the signs of Candace's suffering and calls for help. Then when they realize she has stopped breathing, they call emergency services. Candace is flown to the hospital with a weak pulse, but is pronounced brain dead the next day from brain stem, herniation, and cerebral edema, a direct result of being smothered. Watkins and Ponder were later convicted of reckless child abuse resulting in death, and each received 16-year prison sentences. Watkins served seven years of her sentence and was then paroled, no longer permitted to do any, any counseling work with children. You think? How about no one? Jean Newmaker pleaded guilty of neglect and abuse and received a four-year suspended sentence. Charges were then expunged from her record. Candace's law bans rebirthing therapy in the states of Colorado and North Carolina. And that is the story of Candace Newmaker, a precious 10-year-old girl who was smothered to death thanks to a wacko therapy that's not based on any kind of evidence. That's hideous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as you can see, it wasn't just, I mean, there are a lot of people who have heard of Candace Newmaker or have heard the story of Candace Newmaker. Mm -hmm. Um, She's not the only person who died as a result of a rebirthing, reparenting therapy. Um, There were multiple who died before the year 2000 when she was murdered, essentially. Um, Yes. And there were many different practitioners of these um, types of therapy. So... It was a kind of a widespread thing that, um, as I've said before, I've talked before about um, repressed memory therapy and how that's like something we don't talk about now in counseling Mm -hmm. because it's such a like a black stain. This is also one of those things in therapy where it's like, oh, we don't talk about that anymore because 
it's such an awful thing all around. I mean, even if even if the patient doesn't die, it's still not effective. It's not effective and it's traumatic. Like I can't yes. imagine sitting down with one of my clients and just be like, listen, you twerp. Like, no. <laughs> it doesn't. That's why. Ah, uh, that poor sweet. I right from the start that that kid didn't have. I totally understand the want to like heal the attachment issues that she had. Sure. But that's not the way you go about it. I mean, it's a lot of individual therapy. It's a lot of family therapy. It's a lot of, it's a lot of therapy, just like normal therapy. (laughs) And it sounds like that's kind of how her caregiver, um, Newman had, uh, uh, started Newmaker, um, had started about this and, it's just like the story, like, I feel like every story that we tell, it's the same thing. Something difficult to treat, well-meaning caregiver gets desperate and goes to crazy therapy. Yes. That's exactly um, what it is. And I think and- that's why Jean Newmaker only got a four-year suspended sentence was because right. she was present in the room, so she did have an obligation to protect a child. Um I would stand by that until the day I die. It's always yeah. an adult obligation to protect a child. But anyways. Absolutely. Um, but she was, she believed that she was being guided by two experts. I mean, she didn't know that this no. wasn't something that was okay. And she was also, she was a nurse. She was a medical professional herself. And you always want to believe in your feels. You always want to believe that they're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. that they know that they know best and they know they know um they know what to do. They are in the best interest of the patient or the client. Um so she I can't I I I don't think there was any malice and intent on her part. And frankly, I don't probably not in anybody's who was just hideously misguided and poorly researched and poorly executed. And yeah. It was it was neglectful. That's exactly what it was. The sentence is appropriate, and the sentence is absolutely um, is absolutely what happened. It was gross neglect and misjudgment, and awful. How un- and severely unfortunate and extremely sad. Yeah, exactly. Um, it shows what what illness will do will do to people and mm-hmm. not being able to find an effective therapy you get mm-hmm. desperate mm-hmm. you know um perfectly intelligent rational well-educated well-established people and she was affluent she mm-hmm. came from money she probably had the best ed- probably had an excellent education she was a healthcare worker we know mm-hmm. how much schooling that takes mm-hmm. When you're desperate and want to do something for somebody, it's, you know, all that, all that, lo- you know, logic sometimes goes out the window. Last week, look at Joe Kennedy. He had access to everything in the world and his daughter still ended up with a botched lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that was another uh, case of kind of placing someone's fate in the hands of what you believe are experts, you know? Right. So listen, folks, always, always do your own research. Just because so I I recognize that people when they come to see me, are looking at me as an expert. And I, you know, I try to I try to respect that. Um, 
But at the same time, I want people to be I don't I'm not sitting above them. You know what I mean? Like I'm not positioning myself above them in any way. And I want them to be informed as to what's going on and kind of demystify the process. So if you're in therapy, feel free to ask your therapist, like what um, what theory do you work from or what model do you work from and how does that work and how, how will that help me? Um, and can we try something different? Can you just, you know, because demystifying the process should be something that your therapist is willing to do. Um, it's not, cause it's not magic. No. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, most therapists work with, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBD. Yeah. I mean, CB- CBD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. They're just going to throw you some CBD oil and tell you to call them in the morning. Yep. That's exactly um, what happens, except not at all. But no, you're, it is, I I feel like I tell people this all the time, but it is your care and your health and you have a right to know what's going on Mm -hmm. and to research it and say, no, I don't want this. This isn't okay with me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also your responsibility to be an informed consumer Mm -hmm. and you should be. Exactly. 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 So, yes, I'm. I'm going to do a little bit of a series. I think on these ridiculous types of therapy. Nice. That let me let me give you a sampler of of some of what else is in the book. Please do. <clears throat> Maybe our our listeners can tell us what sounds the most interesting to them. Mm-hmm. So we did rebirthing, right? We've mm-hmm. got uh, alien abduction therapy. Oh, jeez. Um, crying, laughing, screaming therapy. Um, go ahead. That was a bad episode of Wife Swap that I watched, Laughing Therapy. <laughs> yes. Entities therapists and the Ooh. channeling connection. I don't know what that is. Past life or future life therapy. Okay. And then they've got, um, there's a chapter called Alphabet Soup for the Mind and Soul. NLP, it's- FC, NOT, EMDR, you've probably heard of. EMDR yes. is pretty popular. So there's a lot of different ones that they, this is a book by Margaret Thaler singer and Janja Lalik, I believe is how you say it. But yes. Alien abduction therapy. I want to know more about it. <laughs> yeah, prime tell. I've never heard of that before. I'll have to think I'll have to find like wonky medical conditions and do a series too. Yes, please do. Yes. I um normally we batch record, but this is the only one I have this week. That's okay. So I'm trying to think of what I want to do for the next one. <laughs> but this was our uh our first time doing it remotely, so we'll do one for this time, and then we'll see how it goes. Yes, and we'll see how long we're going to be quarantined for. So, what is what was your highlight of the week? Um, we went to modified work week, so I'm working ten hour days instead of eight hour days, which means I get a day off during yeah. the week. Um, so I took a four mile walk around my town and I walked through cemeteries because it's a safe place to walk. And I listened to LeVar Burton reads. <laughs> he, he read a Toni Morrison short story, which was very, very good. I really enjoyed it. And I recommend it. Um, yeah, so I really, yeah, so that was, that was how I spent my day off. I also cut my own hair, which isn't a COVID thing. I just, uh, I cut my own hair in general. Yeah, me too. Um, it's long enough where I could do that. So I really had a lovely day off. How about you? Good. That sounds like fantastic self-care to me. You got a little bit of sunshine and fresh air. LeVar Burton and Toni Morrison are both treasures. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I've also tried to, been trying to go outside when it's nice out um, to places yeah. where there aren't any people, but yes. it's hard because more people 
than normal are using our trails, which I'm not, I don't want to be mad about, but I'm a little bit mad about it (laughs) because that's my thing. I want to do it. Yes. But I was was walking down the sidewalk and uh, someone from the neighborhood, a family that uh, lives near me was walking down the street and I went, I screamed, I went, I don't know what the etiquette is for this. So I just crossed the street and let them pass. (laughs) And then like, you know, know, we kind of giggled back and forth because it is silly and you wouldn't normally think about it. But, you know, I wanted to keep a safe distance from them and I'm sure vice versa. But right. No, no, I am. I, my highlight of the week week actually was that um my six-year-old now, Hunter just turned six, Yay. unfortunately couldn't have a birthday party because of Aww. this mess. But anyways, um, my six-year-old's nephew got a Facebook Messenger for kids. Did you know that they have that? I only knew because um you were mentioning that uh, that Hunter yeah. has it and you've been really enjoying it. Yes, he, he has been messaging everyone like every single day. Um, the other day he messaged me hi hanty because he calls me hanty with an h says how are you doing and i said i'm good how are you and he said fine how is clover doing (laughs) i sent him a picture of clover he went (laughs) oh and i said we miss you i hope you had a good day and he said oh again i miss you too and then he sent me um, an emoji of a cat and then the Aww. emoji of a boy and a girl kissing. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's not what that means. But <laughs> how I get oh, he's, he's pretty good. That's in six. And that's what and he's able to. I know. And I messaged my sister. I was like, is this just you typing things to me secretly? And she was like, no, he's doing it all by himself. Nice. Props to your sister for being quarantined with two very small children. I know. Props to anybody who's quarantined with kids right now. Yes, yes. This wines, have a glass of wine tonight. And yes. Yes, and sit on the couch and watch some Netflix after your kids go to sleep or something. Because yes. you, you do real MVP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just have cats. That's fine. <laughs> cats, yes. Oh. And they do wake us up in the middle of the night, but we don't have to homeschool them. No. They yeah, don't. Did- they wouldn't listen anyway. No, and to teachers that are, you know, trying to support parents and their students through distance learning, you do real MVP. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. What a, I actually, when I was at the grocery store today, I passed by a car that said something, something, something kindergarten class, Mrs. So-and-so misses you. And I was like, that's so cute. (laughs) That is so cute. Oh. Like, you don't, re- it's true. Like, you realize, you know, you miss your students. We haven't been able to have um, visitors where I work. Mm-hmm. And you get to know these families. And you, like, miss, like, you. I, like, I'll talk to them. They'll, like, call for something. And I'll talk to them on the phone. And we'll be like, I miss you. Like, you miss seeing everybody. I know. I miss seeing my clients. Like, it's nice yeah. that I can do video sessions with them. But it's not the same. No, it's not. You know, you miss, you know, you do. You miss them. You get... You get close with these, you know, you get mm-hmm. close with these people. And I miss my freaking coworkers too. That's true. I get I still very lucky get to see get to see mine. I don't get to sit at my normal desk area though. I have to sit somewhere else in the name of social distancing. But it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, every facet of life. You like kind of don't get to forget about this for a second. I know. But it's not forever, folks. It's not nope. gonna be forever. I promise. Forever. I promise you that. Just We're keep reminding yourself. Yes. And keep going with this. This is not for not. Mm-hmm. You know? 
our um our healthcare network is actually saying how many people are getting discharged every day from yes exactly yeah which i think is awesome people are getting back into the community we're going to we're going to get through this i don't mm-hmm. know how long it's going to take nobody does but just hang in there we can do it you mm-hmm. know it's it's worth it too you know it's worth doing this people's mm-hmm. you know it's it's going to save lives it's mm-hmm. worth it's worth it absolutely it's hard but it's worth it it's really, it's really, really hard. What did Chrissy, Chrissy Teigen tweet today? Hold on. Oh, <laughs> I love her. So she's so full of sass. She's sassafrassy. She said, does anyone know if we will get through this together or not? Or if these times are certain or uncertain? No one is letting <laughs> me know. <laughs> Unprecedented, uncertain times. We we'll just need a little bit of that dry humor. <laughs> she's funny. But she's a funny funny lady she is so thank you for joining us on thank you for hanging in there with us and taking your time out for a little weird stuff <laughs> yeah some weird some weird sad stuff weird um, sad stuff we hope to get back on our schedule of of um releasing an episode every other monday me too yes we do so we'll do our best folks Yes, we'll do our best, and we hope to be recording in the same room very, very soon. But (laughs) until then, we'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing it this way because it keeps us sane, and hopefully, it keeps some of you sane. Yeah, and it was fun writing that script. So it was a great that was that was a great script. I love that. Thank you. Um, So you will hear from us soon. Um, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BiopsychPod, or find us on Facebook at BiopsychoSocial. do we have anything else to plug? No, we don't. That's it, right? No, nothing else to plug. <laughs> Take um, care of yourself. Yeah. We love you. We love you. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> this is a wonderful time to grow in your eyebrows. <laughs> Bye, Bye, folks. Bye. <laughs>